Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, rolling right along here on a Friday afternoon. VGK Insider Show, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman will be with you for the next hour. And we've got a lot of playoff overreactions to get to. We've got another team eliminated. We're going to take a, a quick look at the Calgary Flames, what comes next for a team might be in some flux over the course of the summer, specifically with a couple of big-name players that you, you may have seen, at least in one case, the last of them with the Calgary Flames. Uh, we'll also dive a little bit deeper into whether or not we're going to get any Game 7s in the second round. Like, you had that brilliant first round, opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, five Game 7s over the course of a weekend. It was fantastic. Every game was close. Edge of your seat, two overtime games to boot. And yet here we are, a couple of games away from no Game 7s in round number two though if there's anything you can bank on it's that the Carolina Hurricanes will lose on the road because that's all they've done all playoffs long and we should get at least one game seven the other game seven that we might get is Colorado and St. Louis that puck is going to drop on the game six in St. Louis tonight in just about five or ten minutes so we'll keep an eye on that game as we get to playoff overreactions one timers a little bit later and then catching up with Chapman to round it out before a three-day weekend so Chapman let's start with Carolina let's start with uh, the New York Rangers and I, I honestly like the only question going into this weekend is will the streak continue Will the Rangers hold serve on home ice? Will the Carolina Hurricanes be unable through two rounds to win a game on the road? Yeah, it, we're getting a game seven in that series. Car- Carolina has, <laughs> they, they are allergic to winning on the road, apparently. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, they haven't done it once in this playoffs. And, and the thing is, they've, they've been smoked in, in a lot of these uh playoff games on the road this this playoff series mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's weird they they were they were skunked in boston on the road like they 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 were blown off the ice in, in those games they have not looked good in new york it's so it's so strange because to me a team that's as good as they are you think that they would find a way to be able to win at least one game on the road but like i i just cannot wrap my head around around why I mean, you, we could even go back to last year. They were they were beaten by the Tampa Bay Lightning. What was it uh, four games to one in that series? I don't think they won a game on the road in that series either. So I I, I mean I I can't understand why this team is so bad on the road in the playoffs. Um, but I I have no reason to believe that that they're going to uh, and I take it back by the way they they actually won game four on the road after falling down three games to nothing 
to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, there you go. And then they were they were yeah. shut out at home. So, um, and they actually had a home ice in that series and lost the first two games at home. I just I. I, I don't I, I just have no faith in them. They've given me no reason to believe that they're gonna be able to go to MSG and, and win a game. Mm-hmm. They gave me no reason to believe that they were gonna go to Boston and win a game there. I, you gotta you gotta at some point you gotta go out and you gotta get the job done. And Carolina, this is a team that you, you you keep believing at some point they're gonna break through and maybe make a final, maybe make a run to the to the cup final, but I kind of feel like they disappoint us. Like Mm-hmm. I like I like watching are them they, play, but but I, I they yeah. they always seem to let us down. Are they fools gold? Yes, they absolutely are. They they are fools gold because they have the players to where they they should yeah. be able to get the job done. They've got the coach. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think Rod Brendamore is a, a really good coach. Mm-hmm. The only question you would have is is goaltending, and that's been a question that they've had basically for 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 four or five years. Like. And it hasn't really been an issue in the series because Ranta hasn't been terrible for them. Like I, I don't, I don't want to say he's the reason why they're losing. I just feel like they they underperform on the road, and it's not it's not coming from the goalie sit the goalie spot. It's coming from from the guys who are supposed to put the puck in the net for them. So I, I want to expand on this a little bit because when when Darren proposed the question of we're looking at there's there's six teams right now that are still technically in the running you've got St. Louis and Colorado you've got uh, the Carolina Hurricanes the New York Rangers and then obviously you've got the Edmonton Oilers and the Tampa Bay Lightning I, I think that we we can all draw pretty reasonable conclusions here that the Tampa Bay Lightning will likely be among the final four come next season. Like when you look at their division, you look at the fact that the Florida Panthers were absolutely obliterated by the Lightning this year. Then you've got Toronto who cannot get out of the first round, Boston who's going in the wrong direction based on what we are are learning trickling out when it comes to players being injured, whether or not they're going to be able to start the season next year, Brad Marchand specifically, and then who knows with Patrice Bergeron, right? Like the Buffalo Sabres aren't going to ascend to uh, contend, contending for a division title, let alone um, the the Final Four. The Red Wings are still a couple of years away. Ottawa's not going to be very good in Montreal. So, like, it's reasonably certain that we can pencil in the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Final Four come next season uh, unless the Toronto Maple Leafs finally figure out how to get out of the first round, and that's really the only reason you would ever put uh, a, a question mark around Tampa. But you said Carolina or the Rangers would be a team, one of those two teams, should they get to the Final Four. Like, you could reasonably see them getting back there. Now, I argue the Rangers overachieved because of great goaltending this year, and that extends also to the playoffs. Carolina's been one of the best teams in the league for getting you right to where you need to be to believe in them and then absolutely pulling the rug out from under your feet. I I don't know about Pittsburgh, I don't know about Washington, but to me like the the dark horse that that's going to be in the Metropolitan Division next year isn't going to be Pittsburgh or Washington. Like the New York Range the, the New York Islanders are better than what their record indicated they were this year. And I know they don't have Barry Trotz anymore, but I think that that team's going to rebound in much the same way Vegas will. I don't buy either Carolina or the Rangers as like legitimate contenders coming out of the Metro just simply because 
I don't trust them to do the things they need to do. Carolina can't win on the road. The, the New York Rangers can't play hard hockey unless Gerard Gallant's calling out the team after terrible games. Like, there's not a lot of faith that I have in anyone right now from the Metropolitan Division. I think it's pretty wide open going into next year. Well, I, I think outside of the Islanders, though, I, I don't really feel like like there's teams in that division that are going to threaten the Rangers and the Hurricanes as far as supremacy in that division. As you mentioned, Capitals, they're going the wrong direction. Pittsburgh is going to look very different. Columbus, New Jersey, I just don't think either one of those teams are going to take a step forward. Maybe the Blue Jackets could be a team to take a step forward, but... I mean, I I don't know. No faith know. in New Jersey. No faith. They in New they Jersey. have to prove it to me, Ryan. And and look, there were a lot of it. games where where they just were not very good, and goaltending will remain a serious question across the Hudson in New Jersey. Because, I mean, I I, I just don't think Mackenzie Blackwood has lived up to the expectations. Philadelphia, they're. I don't they're, think Mackenzie Blackwood's your goalie next year. I I, I, I don't I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the case either. And the Flyers, they're they're a lost cause at this point. So. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I could buy the Islanders. And look, here's the thing with the Islanders. They don't have anybody that is that you would consider a marquee player that's coming up in free agency. Like, their entire yeah. roster is set for next season. And then, really, after that, the only thing you really got to worry about is, is Matthew Barzal, and he's an RFA. So I would imagine he's probably not going anywhere for a long, long time. But, yeah, the Islanders could be that team that maybe creeps up on those two, and creep is probably not the right word because it's not like the Islanders are coming out of nowhere. Just last year, they were they were in the Eastern Conference Final for the second straight year. So uh, clearly, they're, they're a good team. But I, I just feel like the, the way that division's set up, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these teams, the Rangers or the, or the Hurricanes, are right back where they are right now next year. Yeah, I, you're also... I mean, one of the other things that, that kind of comes into play when you're trying to assess that is the division standings, right? Like the fact that you have the potential for crossover and, and and who knows if that'll end up happening with the Atlantic and the Metropolitan. I don't think the Rangers, I think they're two years ahead of schedule, if I'm being honest. Like I think that there's natural regression that will take place next year. I think that as shooters get books, get the book on Igor Shesterkin, you're probably going to see the goals against average creep up a little bit, the save percentage bump down a little bit. Uh, and, and I just, I, I don't think that if, you, like, if you're getting a little bit less than what you're getting out of Shesterkin or what you got out of him this year, you're not winning as many games. You're not going to be able to be that team that everyone looks at. But well, here's that's, the, that's an interesting. Here's the ahead. other aspect of the Rangers, though. They they will hopefully uh, it, for for them. You're hoping that Capocacco mm-hmm. and Alexis Lafreniere both take mm-hmm. a step forward. The other aspect of it is they are going to uh-huh. have a lot of cap space to where they could go out and they can go and sign. I mean, I'm not I'm not suggesting Johnny Goudreau, but there's going to be a couple of of quality UFAs out there that maybe the Rangers could go out and bolster their roster a little bit and bring in one or two players who are going to help them become a much better team. I don't know about Shesterkin. I think he'll be fine. In fact, I think he'll probably be even better this year. I mean, and that's saying a lot. But mm-hmm. if you get the same season out of Igor Shesterkin next year that you got this year, the Rangers will win the division. Because I, I think I think they're yeah. going to get better. I don't know if I'm there yet. I, 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 I think what's, yet. what's ahead of Shesterkin is going to be better next year. What what's in True. front of him? I think I, like, I think I, should take I, another step forward. 
Like he'll be good, but I, I just I think that the numbers are not going to be where they're at. And if the numbers aren't as pristine as they were this year, I, I don't think that the Rangers are going to be able to find forty, you know, forty five, forty seven wins. Like you're you're talking about a fifty two win season for a New York Rangers team that a lot of people didn't even think would be a bubble team. Like I think they're ahead of schedule. Your point about cap space is well taken. There are some gambles they can make in the offseason if they want to try to bolster what they did. Uh, a lot of what the Rangers went into the offseason last year wanting to do was get beefier, get a little bit tougher to play against. They certainly did that. That was definitely an accomplishment in and of itself. But you know, then you start to look at some of the players that might be available or the, the, the direction that you go there. I'm not sure that that's going to, to to sustain where the Rangers are right now. I still think the Carolina Hurricanes are probably going to be the team that wins that division. Like I look at Carolina in kind of the same way that I look at Colorado. I think that those two teams are going to lead their divisions, and I'm not particularly confident that they're going to make it to a Final Four because for the Colorado Avalanche, like this game tonight is everything. I I don't think when I look at it objectively. I don't believe that Colorado will lose game set. Like, if they lose tonight, I don't believe that they can allow themselves to go 0 for 7 over their last two postseasons when the tide got turned and when they started to face a little bit of adversity, right? Because as soon as they faced adversity against the Golden Knights, they lost four games in a row. And they faced a little blip of adversity early on in this series, and they got really angry about it, and then stormed back and played exceptional hockey. But then they got pushed back again. Then they got punched in the face, and I'm using that reference one more time, (laughs) but they got punched in the face. So violent. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to handle it. Like, this is the same question that I have about this Colorado team every single time we get to this level in the postseason, where everything becomes a little bit more important. Everything's magnified just a little bit more. The defensive structure has to be in place. You've got to take care of the middle of the ice. You cannot give teams any life when you have them on the ropes. And what is what do the Avalanche do in Game 5? They absolutely leave the door wide open for St. Louis to come back, not once but twice, and they wasted an elite performance from Nathan McKinnon. So if... St. Louis wins tonight. I give Colorado a chance in Game 7. I don't view Game 7 in that series, potentially, the way that I did for Toronto. Toronto had no chance. Like, they had no chance to win that series in seven games. And I think if Colorado loses tonight, and I think the way they lose is going to be important too, but if Colorado loses tonight, I give them about... 40% 40% chance of winning this series in, in seven games. Well, certainly. And that, to me, feels high. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm willing to go 40%. Like, I think it's it's hard to put a percentage. But I, I will say this. I think if they lose tonight, the amount of pressure that will be on guys like Nathan McKinnon, guys like Gabe Landeskog, obviously Darcy Kemper, in that game seven to, to, to know in your mind that you were up in this series three games to one and were winning three to nothing in game five. You could have closed the door, ended the series. You should have put the puck in the open net. Maybe you, you, you shouldn't have lost that game in overtime to a guy who played seven minutes and 16 seconds the entire game. 
I think it wasn't even a good goal. No, it, it wasn't a good goal, and that's the thing. It's it's. I don't I I I don't know if I view this as a must win for Colorado, hmm. but I think it's a game that they they really really want to win for the fact that they they probably need it mentally. Because if they lose yeah. tonight, I I I really question how much mental aspect, how many mental aspects of this are going to come back and, and and bite them in Game Seven because. You you have to think that the failures of of not closing it out in Game Five, the the failure of not winning tonight, I I the the the, the what is it like the ghosts of Christmas past last year up two oh, games here to we nothing go with ghosts again. Well, you, you it's it's a it's a uh, idiom. Is that is that right? Is it an idiom? I don't know. But sure, to, that to, sounds correct. To, to think that they were they they're they're gonna. Ha- and I don't know how much, but, but we heard Nathan McKinnon talking about it earlier in this series where he mentioned in the past, well, mm-hmm. I wonder if they lose tonight, if they're going to start to think about last year when they were up two games to nothing on Vegas and they ended up losing four straight. Here we go again. So Nathan McKinnon's initial commentary after the game is really, really interesting, right? Nathan McKinnon said, quote, hopefully everything happens for a reason. It should make our team a little harder, a little more gritty in these situations. Can't win every series in four and five. They have a great team. So uh, the comments from McKinnon, like, they, they move me in the right direction. Like, they move me into a, into a, into a thought process, into a headspace where I think the Colorado Avalanche are, are able to turn the page. They're able to look the next game as another opportunity and not dwell on what had happened before. It shows maturity that they're a team that expects that it's not going to be a cakewalk every single time they go into a playoff series. But here's the thing that bothers me a little bit about that comment. You've been in the second round now four years in a row. Like, if you haven't learned that there's another level of grit you have to reach, when are you, right? Like, when are the Colorado Avalanche going to learn that you have to take your game to a new level every single time you win four out of seven? Like, what was good enough in round one is never going to be good enough in round two. And it's certainly not going to be good enough in round three or the Stanley Cup final once you get there. And, we, and I guess the question that I have, like, if you're going at this four years in a row, how have you not learned that lesson yet? Well, the, with that, I, I, I think, A, it, it's fine that he's given the St. Louis Blues a lot of credit. They are a good mm-hmm. team. I don't think they're that good enough to Darryl where— But I, I, I don't think they're good enough to where they should have been down 3 to nothing in Game 5 and come back and win that game, especially after you score yeah. what, what could have been a legacy-defining goal— to, to, to probably did, that that should have won the series, I I don't think St. Did Louis. The Blues, hold on, hold on. Did did the Blues win that game or did Colorado give it away? I think Colorado gave it away. Darcy Kemper wasn't very good. Yeah, and the, we we just talked yeah. about the goal he gave up to, in, in overtime. It wasn't like it was a great shot. It's probably a goal that that he probably should have saved. I I I wonder though because you you talk about you have to pick it up another level. We've seen that. Mm-hmm from the best player in the world. Like as good as he was yeah. in the LA series, he was even better in the in the Calgary series. Yeah. 
Like Connor McDavid is playing like a guy who's going to win the Conn Smythe and a guy who's who's trying. I shouldn't say trying. They're they're obviously all trying, but he's playing like a guy who's putting his team on his back and he's going to carry them to a cup final. I don't know if it's destiny, but there's something in my gut that tells me we're going to see an, a, an even higher level from Connor McDavid in the next round. I don't know if we've seen that from Nathan McKinnon in these playoffs the last couple of years. And it's disappointing because... Well, you you got it in Game 5. Yeah, yeah, but but it's... He, I, I guess not necessarily him, but the Avalanche in general. They, they should have closed that game out. They as a team need to pick it up. Edmonton did. Well, they, I, I like, don't think... I don't think Kale McCarr has been good. Like, I don't think Kale McCarr has been as good as he needs to be in the second round for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, like, he, he hasn't and, had a and great I, series. I was, I was on that train, right? Kale McCarr is the heartbeat. Has, as he goes, so do the Avalanche. I know Nathan McKinnon gets a lot of the press. I know that everyone talks about how good Nate is. But Kale McCarr is the real driver of what the Avalanche do. And I think he's been good but not elite. Good, but not great. And if Kale McCarr is not great, the Colorado Avalanche are not the best team in the league. They just aren't. I think that's a fair statement, and he, he really hasn't had a great series. I, I I can't remember what game it was where looked like he, he got banged up a little bit, and I, I, I think mm-hmm. it may have been game three or four, and it seemed like... He, he he may have been looking at his wrist or holding on to his hand a little bit. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't I, I mean there's nothing to, to make me believe that he's hurt other than that one moment in that one game. But St. Louis is a good team and they're gonna find ways to 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 try to neutralize good players because that's what that's what good teams do. Craig Barubi has proven he's a good coach. But at the end of the day, Colorado is better than St. Louis. Darcy Kemper yeah. is has been better than Vili Huso. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that this series should not end tonight. There's no reason. Colorado should win this game tonight. I don't care where it is. They're a better team. And if they want to make believers out of themselves, I feel like they have to win this game tonight. Yeah. I, well, another team that was in a, a similar situation last night was the Calgary Flames. They had to win last night to keep their season alive and to give us at least one more game of the Battle of Alberta that, to be honest, like, I know it was only five games, Chapman, but the Battle of Alberta was absolutely off the off the chain. Like, it was ridiculous how good that series was. It was back and forth. There were a ton of goals. There were big-time plays all over, the, all over the place. You had fluky goals. You had terrible plays from Mike Smith. And then you look at the numbers, and Mike Smith's the best goalie in that series by a wide, wide, wide margin. Uh, who had that on their bingo card? Um, so real quick, like on, on Calgary, because you and I are in agreement. Like, that should have been a goal. The Calgary Flames got hosed. It probably should be going to game six, but sometimes that's just how it goes. Sometimes you just lose out on those series-defining moments, and it it's frustrating, and it sucks, and it's crappy, and it, it it's the worst. But the Calgary Flames now shift to off-season mode, and off-season mode is maybe going to hurt more than losing the Battle of Alberta because you've got unrestricted free agent in Johnny Gaudreau. You've got restricted free agent in Matthew Kachuk, who I thought was very, very bad 
pedestrian in that playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers. What do the Flames do? Like, did Johnny Gaudreau play his final game in a Calgary Flames uniform? Well, we can start with maybe Keith should have thrown his hat on the ice. Maybe maybe that was uh, the oh the, that the... that no 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 come on <laughs> but, stop but stop I I I will say only because I, I I follow a bit of what what goes on back east. I do think Johnny mm-hmm. Gaudreau has played his last game in Calgary, and the rumors for years for years have been Philadelphia. Yeah. Johnny Goudreau grew sure. up a stone's throw from Philadelphia. Yes, he's a New Jersey guy, mm-hmm. but he grew up in South Jersey, very, very close to, to the Walt Whitman Bridge, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, where, where the Flyers play. He grew up a Flyers fan. Okay. He eats cheesesteaks. I know this because he told me he ate cheesesteaks. <laughs> Johnny Goudreau, and, and I... I, I he, wait, whoa, whoa, hold on. Is it is it is it like cheese slices or cheese whiz like how does he oh he's, he's cheese whiz guy you know? yeah yeah it's a cheese whiz cheese thing. whiz guy all yes, the way okay. yes yeah. good 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 um i i will not go as far as saying it's a slam dunk johnny Goudreau mm-hmm. will be playing for the philadelphia flyers next year i i, I mean it just Ooh. seems so obvious that that's so of course I'll, I'll be dead wrong and he'll resign with calgary but mm-hmm. i yeah. Yeah. i that's just how these things work but for years, the talk has been the Flyers have been gearing up for Johnny Goudreau to be a free agent so they can make a, a, a big-time run. Look, James Van Riemsdyk was another guy who, who grew up really, really close to Philadelphia, and they went out and they got him, and, and they were able to, to to sign him when he became a free agent, and he's he's been really good for them. Granted, he, he's getting older now, but I think this is a guy that they've had identified for a long time, and I, I feel like like it's almost it's almost like... Tavares to the Islanders or, or to, to Toronto when that happened. Like, yep. I don't know if Johnny yep. Goudreau had, had Eric Lindros pajamas, but it's almost the stars align for, for Johnny Goudreau to go to Philadelphia. So like, here's, here's the interesting thing with the flames, right? Like they've got $27 million to work with, but you've got both Andrew Mangiapane and Matthew Kachuk restricted free agents. Oliver Shillington, a restricted free agent. Uh, you've got UFAs all over the place. Obviously, we talked about Johnny Gaudreau, but you got Cal Yarncroke, Trevor Lewis. Well, look um, at the look at the blue line. Two, those are probably two that you want to re-sign. But then, yeah, you, you talk about it: Eric Goodbranson, Michael Stone, Nikita Zadorov, all three UFAs. And you know, to be to be honest, like I I it, I don't know. I don't know what direction Calgary is going to go. If they move on from Johnny Gaudreau, because like you're you're not going to find a Johnny Gaudreau on the open market. You're not going to find a player that's going to come in here and give you what Gaudreau does. As good as Gaudreau was with Daryl Sutter, like does that appeal to Johnny going into next season? Like, or does playing at home? Is that the determining factor? And then without Gaudreau, how good is Elias Lindholm going to be? How good is Matthew Kachuk going to be? Like, we've seen those three guys under Daryl Sutter's system blow up, explode. But if you don't have the guy with the poise and the patience and the ability to hold on and make plays, how much are you going to get out of those other two players? And to be frank, Matthew Kachuk needed to be better. He needed to be better for this team in the playoffs. He was invisible in the Battle of Alberta for a player that's supposed to be built for the playoffs. That's unacceptable. Yeah, he 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 really after that first game he kind of disappeared. 
Uh, but but I think yeah. as a whole, I, I I feel like Goudreau and Kachuk both needed to be a lot better in this series, and they weren't. It's it's obviously a massive massive off season for Calgary, probably the biggest one they've had in a really long time. I yeah. think for the division, obviously we want Johnny Goudreau in the Pacific Division because it's just great to get to watch him play all the time. But Calgary's got a lot of tough decisions to make. The blue line, three three quality players. I like Nikita Zadorov. How much does Calgary like him? I, I, I don't know. He's only 27. I would imagine if you could bring him back, you want to bring him back. You mentioned guys like Callie Oncroke and, and Trevor Lewis. You've got money to work with, but you've got to you've got to somehow find a way within your 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 cap to get both Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau under contract. And I just don't know if that's going to be possible with all the other UFAs and RFAs that they have to get re-signed. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what ends up happening with the Calgary Flames over the course of the offseason and how much better they can be from where they were this year. This was one of the best seasons for the Calgary Flames in a long time in recent memory. They thought they were built for the playoffs, and unfortunately for them, they went into a buzzsaw in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the two best players in the world, acting like it, playing like it in the Battle of Alberta, and Edmonton and the Edmonton Oilers are now awaiting the winner of Colorado and St. Louis. No score in that game, just about nine minutes in. Shots favor Colorado 8-2 to two early on, but really nothing dangerous, everything to the outside. So the St. Louis Blues probably pretty comfortable. And the longer this game goes without Colorado finding the back of the net, the more frustrated that team's going to be. We've seen it time and time again. This is really going to be an interesting game six between St. Louis and Colorado. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. Powell Powell. More lawyers, less fee. News and notes from around the NHL. And we're going to start with a little bit of Golden Knights news. It's not a lot, nothing crazy. Dave Pagnota from the fourth period uh, reported a couple of days ago that the Golden Knights have interest in speaking with, among others, Rick Tockett and Paul Maurice about their coaching vacancy. Uh, to me, that's not really groundbreaking stuff. Like I, I think that you know, you, you look at the names of coaches that are out there, you look at the fact that the Golden Knights need a new coach, those two names would probably be at the front of my list, assuming assuming that Paul Maurice wants to coach next season. We know that he stepped away from the Winnipeg Jets last year, but the question will arise, does Paul Maurice still want to coach? If he does, then I think it makes some sense that the Golden Knights would go down that road because he's a good hockey coach. But the question that I have for you, Chapman, doesn't necessarily have to do with the fact that these two names are out there. They should be out there with pretty much every coaching vacancy in the NHL right now. Are you surprised that it's not Trotz? Like, are you surprised that the names that are quote-unquote out there surrounding the Golden Knights right now uh, are not Barry Trotz or John Tortorella, but Rick Tockett and Paul Maurice? Well, Tockett doesn't surprise me. I think I think Maurice does a little yeah. bit, but... Um... 
I, I am I am a bit surprised that that Trotz's name is not on that list. And and if there's one thing I've learned in five seasons covering the Golden Knights, it's that they are very good at not letting information leak out. So yeah. I think even if Trotz's name was on that list, like he could be the number one guy on that list. They're not telling us. They're not going to give us any heads up on that. We'll find out the day he's hired that they that Barry Trotz was was the number one guy on the list. Um, so so that 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 would not surprise me because they're they're really good at at keeping things in house and not letting things escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. do you have a leading candidate at this point? Like, do you do you? think there's one coach out there that makes the most sense for this Golden Knights team right now? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea because I, I don't know what they're looking for in a coach. Like, I don't know what direction they want to go, what style do they want. Do they want the guy who's been around for, for forever and has won a Stanley Cup? Do they want a guy who, mm-hmm. who maybe hasn't won a Stanley Cup but has come really close do they want a guy who who you, is gonna yell and scream at the media, or do they want a guy who who's gonna laugh and joke with us? I I don't know. What what my guess is they're gonna go with a guy who's opposite personality wise mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. than uh, Pete DeBoer was. So do you do you feel like you have a hard time figuring out what the next coach is going to be because you have a hard time understanding who the Golden Knights are right now? Yes, I do. They, I, yeah. they don't send off a lot of signals as far as um, what what exactly they're looking for. So mm-hmm. I also don't know what the identity. What you know, when I read that Bill Foley wants right. his team to have a different identity, I don't really know what that means because you're not going to be able to go back and recreate the identity from year one. And I think I think everyone yeah. within the organization is smart enough to know that. So when you say you're looking to, to recreate an identity or have a different identity, well, what does that mean? Like, what kind of identity uh-huh. do you want? Do you want a team that played the way Gerard Gallant's team played in year one and two? Or are well, you just looking for a team that's going to play a different style than what Pete DeBoer played? Yeah, and I think, to be honest, like, shouldn't you have that defined before you start searching for your coach yeah yeah i think so i mean i think you you should have you know common sense would say you you should have an idea of what you want to do like it's it's when when for any job right like you you kind of have to know what exactly it is you're looking for before you start interviewing candidates and and the problem the problem is because we never saw the golden knights at full strength because we don't know what this team would have been able to do healthy I think that there are legitimate questions as to what Vegas is going to be come next season, what they could have been this year, and that leads to a little bit of murkiness. But I, I, I do believe they've got an idea, right? I do believe they've got an idea of what they want this team to look like and how they want this team to play come next season. I think that a lot of this silence is meant to throw people off the scent of what that next bench boss is going to be and how he's going to play and how he's going to coach his team. Now, Chapman, did you see the trailer for ESPN's 30 and 30 for the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry? Did you see it? I I have not. I, I looked oh, through that time, but uh, I, I have not seen the trailer. That is a fail on your part, buddy. That is a fail on your part. 
So it, it, it earlier today on Twitter, uh, John Butchgrass with ESPN tweeted out a two-ish minute, two and a half minute uh, clip, teaser trailer, whatever you want to call it, about the new 30 and 30 on the Colorado Avalanche and the Red Wings and their rivalry that was literally the best thing in hockey for a good three and a half years. Like it was the pinnacle of when you think about hockey rivalries, you think about Detroit and Colorado. You think about Claude Lemieux. You think about Darren McCarty. You think about Patrick Waugh and fighting and blood and everything on the ice. Like You think about how much these two teams absolutely hate each other. And what ESPN's doing in this moment is they are bringing back every single big-name player that was involved in that rivalry, and they're sitting them down, and you want to know what they're going to do? They're going to ask them about what that time was like and how much they still hate each other. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever, Chapman. I cannot, I cannot say it enough. I cannot say it enough. I can't wait for this 30 and 30 because it's going to be the best thing ever. But the question becomes, and we've seen how the NHL, like the direction the league has gone over the last couple of years, really the last five or ten years, is there ever going to be a rivalry? that comes close to reaching the temperature of Colorado-Detroit in its prime? No. I no, don't think so. I, I, I don't think so either. I, I just, I mean, and we've had some some rivalries. You you and Darren mentioned earlier, Sid versus Ovi, right? Caps and, and Penguins. We got the Battle of Alberta last night, which, mm-hmm. you know, I it, from a hockey standpoint, it was good. But in terms of it of it boiling over and, and being full of, of just guys who just truly, truly did not like each other, and those Red Wings teams had some really tough customers. And, of course, Colorado had some some tough customers as well. But I, when I think back, I think of guys like Darren McCarty and, and Chris Draper and Joey Koser, just like absolute tanks on the ice. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think the style of play, the fact that the league is kind of like a guy like Ryan Reeves, he's, he's a bit of a dying breed. Like, Evander Kane is a skilled, I, I don't want to call him a goon because I think that's that's unfair to him, but he's he's a skilled pain. But, Agitator. Yeah, but it doesn't rise to the level of a guy like Claude Lemieux. Like, Claude Lemieux, first of all, Claude Lemieux was, was an absolute monster on the ice, but he also won mm-hmm. Conn Smythe Trophy. So he was a guy sure. who, 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 who could play at a high elite level as well as be a master agitator. I just think guys like that are, are not around as much anymore. I don't think that, that the league has as many guys who, who will just drop. Like, even go back to, like, guys like Gerard Gallant. Like, they were just, he could score 30 goals, but he was going to kick your ass, too. You just don't have guys like that anymore. The league's not set up to, to give us another Colorado-Detroit. And, like, I'll be honest, I, I think that that's probably for the best. Like, player safety in and of itself, like that is what's best in in the best interest of the players long term. But boy, oh boy, every single time those two teams played, it was appointment television. It was everything you wanted in a hockey game. It was terrible and beautiful and ridiculous and awesome all at the same time. Like, I cannot wait to relive it. I lived it. I was engrossed in it. And I cannot wait to see what it looks like with time 
and through a different lens. So I, I can't wait for that to come. The ESPN 30 and 30 special on the Colorado Avalanche, Detroit Red Wings, and their rivalry. Just real quick, last one here. Um, Connor McDavid actually does have fun. Chapman, did you realize that? I never saw it until last night, but I loved it. It was great. It was so fun to see him just celebrate that goal the way he did and show the absolute raw emotion. Even going back yeah. to the locker room to see the way he was he was just exuding happiness and emotion. That's great. I, I think we need that from our superstars. I agree with you. And then just a real quick note, uh, Brad Marchand likely going to be out until December. He's going to miss uh, six months after undergoing surgery on both of his hips, both of his hips. For Brad Marchand, so questions about the Bruins. Brad Marchand, probably not available to start the year next season. And Patrice Bergeron, play? Is he going to hang him up? We'll find out. Those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. For today, Friday, May 27th, we're back to wrap it up, catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, well, real quick update from uh, St. Louis, the Blues. Justin Falk with a goal, and they lead at the the waning moments of the first period. One to nothing in that one. So, uh, looks like they're going to head to the locker room with the Blues up one nothing. Amazing. Absolute snipe by Justin Falk. But, oh, uh, oh, dude. Yeah, oh, this is going to happen, huh? <laughs> but anyway, I saw the today that the, that the Dodgers were going to retire Gil Hodges' number. Now, Gil obviously played long before you and I were both born, but Gil is, he was my one of my grandmother's favorite players. She was a massive, massive Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and uh, Gil was one of her favorites. But the cool thing about Gil Hodges is not only did he play for the Dodgers, he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was the manager of the New York Mets. In fact, he was the manager when the Mets won their first World Series in 1969. So uh, Gil Hodges, he already had his number retired by the Mets. He's going to have it now retired by the Dodgers. And I was thinking there's not a lot of guys in sports who've gotten the job done in both massive media markets, New York and L.A. But Gil Hodges, one of those guys who was able to, to, to get it done on both coasts and uh, kind of cool that... He's going to have his number retired by both teams. It's always cool to me when you have a player that's able to do that, right? Like when when you a player that's that's been so beloved by by one place, one landing spot, and then they're able to do it again in another. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. So uh, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Chad. What do you uh, what do you what do you got planned for Monday? Um, Big well, day for you. I'm I'm going to watch some some catch up on some television. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm. Probably I got yep. I got some time this weekend. Uh, you know it's funny. I, I started watching the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers reboot movie that they did, and I had to pause it because it was getting late. But I'm going to finish watching that this yeah. weekend too. Chip and Dale. That was my show. I loved that show. I'd come home from school and pop yeah. on the Disney afternoon, and there was Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. I've already got Obi Wan done. Uh, at least the first two episodes, anyway. Stranger Things tonight after the Colorado Avalanche. Screw things up. Talk to you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend.